Well, good morning, everybody. We're so glad you're with us today. Thank you for being here on the first Sunday of 2021. And for those that are joining via live stream, thank you for joining us as well. Let's stand together, sing, sing, sing this morning. Uh, make a joyful noise. Brother Ken, come lead us. Here's a song we all know this morning, I'll Fly Away. We'll do that all together, all three verses, I'll Fly Away today. Some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. If you're glad to be out on a Sunday, say amen. Thank you for coming. And again, thank you for those that are joining via live stream. If you're watching us this morning, you've got a prayer request, drop those in the comment section. Let me give you a few this morning. I put out on our call system, please pray for the King family. Uh, I'll give you the details really quickly at their permission. Uh, this is, of course, their grandson, Evan, who lived with them. He got up to go to the restroom, seemed to be taking a while, and Brother King went in and found him having gone home to be with the Lord. So please pray for that family. Don't have any arrangements yet, but we will keep you posted on that. He was a young man as well, so lift him up in prayer, or lift the family up in prayer. We've got several in our church who are dealing with COVID. Uh, Sister Pat Stanford, uh, the Terrys, lift them up in prayer. Another one in our community, Tim Healan, who is in critical condition. Uh, I want you to continue to remain vigilant. Uh, we're hoping for a better 2021, but whatever happens, I know who's in control. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, we come to you this morning saying thank you for the opportunity to be in your house. Thank you for those that are joining us this morning via live stream. Lord, we're just glad to be able uh, to open up the Word of God, sing the songs of Zion, and be reminded, God, that you are doing all things well, that you've got all of this under control. Lord, I pray your sweet presence would be upon us today. Lord, I ask that the Spirit of God would be thick here in our midst, and even those that are joining online would be able to feel the presence of the Holy One in this place. Lord, we know that things are different, but we know you're still the same. 
And so we're worshiping you because you are in control. Bless now and all that happens here at SAGBC. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. You can be seated. I'm glad Evan's singing for us this morning. You pray for him as he sings. Come on, buddy. I can only 
worship you. Amen. Every time I hear that song, I think of your daddy's homegoing service, Miss Jennifer. What a blessing, Evan. It'll be uh, 11 years in April, excuse me, 10 years in April since our churches merged. And I remember the first time I heard Evan sing. Uh, Renee and I got in the car and I said, man, that voice sounds as clear as a bell. And I remember looking at her. I turned to her and said, I hope when his voice changes, he can still sing. You still can. Amen. <laughs> Good to see you this morning. Uh, I've got several announcements for you. First of all, uh, if you haven't gotten those tithing envelopes, please do that today. Uh, get those from Brother Scott, Miss Teresa, if you would. Uh, also, for the month of January, February, and March, our Grace Network item uh, has changed. For this quarter, we are collecting uh, uh, jars of spaghetti sauce in our one basket uh, uh, there and one basket over there. If you would help us with that, uh, uh, you would be amazed uh, at your, where you probably wouldn't be at how much much, uh, our community is now depending upon this organization. Uh, I think most of us have to say that despite the obstacles, God's blessed us in 2020. And so if you can help us out with that, we would sure appreciate it. You know, the first Sunday of every year, I usually stand up here and go over the calendar with you uh, and provide all of the dates for the upcoming year, the things that we're going to be doing. Here's our calendar for the year, whatever God's got in store. Uh, that's what we're going to do right now. We're waiting and seeing how things progress. I'm not going to try to lay out things and have to change it. I've got some tentative dates in mind, uh, as the Lord allows. Uh, but we're going to keep the doors open to the extent that the government allows. We're going to preach anyway. Amen. We're not waiting on the government to tell us what to do. Let me be clear. We're going we're gonna to preach the Word of God, keep the doors open, and keep doing uh, what God's called us to do in the coming year. Anyway, that's not the message. Uh, calendar TBA, song and security schedules, those are up, folks. I think I sent them to everybody that I had your address, but if not, they're in our area over there. So you please help us out with that if you would. Let's stand together one more time. Brother Ken, come lead us. Let's sing together this morning. Here's a favorite song of mine, The Dearest Friend I Ever Had. We'll do two verses of that this morning. The Dearest Friend I Ever Had. When I was
one of the good things about leading singing is you can change the words if you want to. Amen. <laughs> yeah, man, you can be seated. That's awesome, Brother Kent. My brother-in-law, when we were still at Wayside and he was leading the singing, I used to kid with him all the time. He'd do the same thing. He'd make up a whole second verse, and somehow he'd figure out how to make it rhyme. That's pretty good. That's awesome, Brother Ken. Fantastic. Evan, come on this morning. Ushers, come make your way down. I'm not forgetting the tie offering this morning. Come make your way down if you would. This is also the first Sunday of the month. Uh, fellas, put your masks on if you would. First Sunday of the month. Uh, so that means it's also Mission Sunday as well. So if you, we're going to just do one, combine those this morning. Please help us out with that. You've been so generous uh, in 2020, and I'm going to ask you to continue to do so in 2021. And the Lord will bless you for it. Evan's going to sing one more song for us during the offering. Father, thank you, Lord, uh, again, for the opportunity to uh, give back that to which you've given us. Lord, thank you for our missionaries and the way we're continuing to support them. And, Lord, how they're leading souls to Christ. Bless this offering. May it be exactly what you'd have it to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, buddy. a time I needed you before Lord I need you now if there ever was a trial I couldn't handle on my own that's how this feels somehow if there ever was a child that was crying out for help that's what this song's about if there ever was a time i needed you before lord i need you now if i've ever had a always kept his word Lord I know it's you cause there's never been a time that you've left me all alone or been untrue and if I know anything it's that you will meet my need just like you always do. So I'm leaning on your love and counting on your grace just to see me through. I need you to remind me faithful you have been and when I'm at my weakest that's where your strength began if there ever was a time I needed you Thank you. 
was a trial I couldn't handle on my own. That's how this feels somehow. And if there ever was a child that was crying out for help, that's what this song's about. If there ever was a time If I ever had a friend, Lord, I know it's you. And I need you Amen. Awesome job, buddy. Awesome job. Keep that ready, if you would, at the back there. Turn with me two places this morning uh, in your Bibles, if you would. I want you to turn to two places. First of all, let's look at Matthew chapter 26, and then I also want you to have ready John chapter number 21. Matthew chapter 26 and John chapter number 21. While you're turning, uh, up here at the front in a large basket, we've got our devotions for January, February, and March. Uh, we give you three, as you know, our daily breads. We also have Call to Glories, and we also have Call to Glory Kids. So if you've got a teenager or a youngster, grab those. All three of those are here up at the front. That's for the month of uh, January, February, and March, so keep that in mind. And then uh, a couple of you ask, uh, please pray for Lydia. She's due at any minute, uh, so uh, pray for her. Pray for Nick. Also, I'll put a smile on your face. We spent a little bit of time with them yesterday. I uh, had, had an afternoon meal with them, and uh, uh, I asked Lydia how she was doing, and she said, Daddy, <coughs> I feel fat. And I said, well, you know why? She said, well, I said, because you're about ready to have a baby. Amen. But uh, this will really put a smile on your face. We got to chatting a little bit. <clears throat> Nick looked at me and he said, Pastor Greg, can I tell you something? I said, well, sure, buddy. What's up? He said, you know, uh, I was born a male. I identify as a male. But according to the Kraft macaroni and cheese box I have for lunch, I'm actually a family of four. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that when you have lunch today. I know you're struggling with it right now, but you'll get it. Amen. <laughs> That's pretty good. Oh, my goodness. <clears throat> Matthew chapter number 26, if you would, please. I want to give you a passage of Scripture uh, for one that has become candidly familiar in my life. And I think as we get into it, you'll find it's probably familiar in your life as well. Boy, I so wish I could stand up here and tell you that since I got saved on June the 13th, 1976, that I had always lived for God. I wish I could tell you that there had never been a time where I had failed Him or that I had walked away or that I had messed up, but I can't tell you that. And if you're honest, you can't say it either. There's not a, one of us in the building this, this morning or who's watching online that can honestly say that there's never been a time where we haven't failed God. But what I can stand and tell you this morning is that failure is never final with our Heavenly Father. I'll say that again. It's the title of the message. Failure is never final with our Heavenly Father. 
Wednesday night prior to Christmas, December the 23rd, when we had our outdoor service, at the end of the service, uh, we were getting things cleaned up and uh, helping bring some things in, the sound system. Uh, three or four of us, Brother Ken, three or four of us were standing around one of those barrels that had the fire in it. We were just shooting the breeze a little bit, and Brother Ken said, Preacher, you know, this is where my mind goes on that day where Peter denied the Lord. He, he, he said, this is kind of what I think uh, was happening when Peter... Uh, uh, having promised God he would never walk away from him, ends up denying him three times before the cock crew. My mind immediately went to this passage of Scripture, and I was reminded again how much I relate to Peter, as do so many others. Peter with his hot temper. Peter on one day is on fire, ready to do great things for God, but on the next day uh, he's angry, mad, and he's denying God. But God used Peter in spite of himself and did a great work. Let's begin reading Matthew chapter 26, verse number 69. Now Peter <clears throat> sat without in the palace. Again, verse 69. Peter sat... <clears throat> it's, it's allergies, don't panic... <laughs> Peter, <laughs> hack up a lung and we're ready to preach, amen. Peter sat without in the palace, and a damsel came unto him, saying, Thou also wast with Jesus of Galilee. But he, he there is, of course, Peter, denied, thank you, denied them all, saying, Open it. Oh, you did, didn't you? Okay. <clears throat> Verse number 70. <clears throat> but he denied, thank you, buddy. <clears throat> he denied before them all, saying, I know not what thou sayest. That was his first denial. <clears throat> Verse 71. <clears throat> when he was gone out into the porch, another maid saw him and said unto them that were there, This fella also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. That's his second denial. And note that the Bible says, underscore this, that he denied with an oath. That means he's promising, he's pledging, he's swearing, if you will, that he did not, know and, uh, did not know the Lord. Verse 73. After a while came unto him they that stood by and said to Peter, Surely thou also art one of them, for thy speech bereath thee. Then he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the cock crew. Peter remembered the word of Jesus, which said unto him, Before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. He went out and wept bitterly. This is a passage that I make no bones about that I preach out of often. It's a passage that my heart goes to often. It's a passage that my mind often wonders because it is a reminder to me that even when we blow it, 
even when we mess up, even when we go so far as walking away from the very things that we think we believe, God's not done with us yet. One of the, I think, most heart-wrenching moments of my life happened my freshman year of college. I had come home for a couple of days of fall break, and my book bag that I took back and forth to classes was tossed there on the kitchen table. I had a, a, a notebook open that I'd been working on some homework, and my mother had read an essay that I had composed for comparative literature class. We were allowed to write about anything we wanted to, and I walked in and I saw my mom sitting there at the kitchen table with tears streaming down her face. I looked at her and I thought, man, what is wrong? What has happened? And then I looked at what she was reading, and she was reading my essay that I had wrote entitled, How I Know There Is No God. An essay that got me an A in my comparative literature class, but absolutely broke my mom's heart. I looked at her and I said, Mom, that's for class. I'm not sure why you're reading it. And she looked at me and she said, what I want to know is, do you believe this? I looked at her and I said, well, Mom, I got lots of questions. I got lots of doubts. Uh, the things about which I was raised don't seem to resonate with me anymore. Uh, and the more I tried to smooth it over, the worse I made it. Can I get a witness? <clears throat> she looked at I don't know if she even said anything to Daddy, but she looked at me and she said, only thing I know to do for you is pray that God changes your heart. Can I just stop a moment and say to every one of us, the ultimate failure of denying God is not final because we have a good heavenly Father. How many of us this morning can stand and say, how many of us can testify to the fact that, boy, have we blown it. Boy, have we messed up. Boy, have we made a fool of ourselves. Boy, have we done some things we ought not to have done. Boy, have we not even embarrassed our Father. But I am so thankful this morning that the God we serve does not look over the portals of heaven and chuck us aside. He doesn't throw the clay away. He still loves us. He he still reaches out to us. Why? Because failure is never final with a heavenly father. I'll give you three things this morning regarding this story. Number one, note with me if you would, Peter's failure. Peter's failure. Before we can really talk about how God used Peter, we really have to talk about how Peter rejected God. I can imagine that Peter as an adult preacher, and he would become one of the great preachers of the first century. I can imagine that Peter, uh, in recounting the elements of his life, uh, would have been very happy to leave out this part of it. I can imagine that this was a part of his life that he didn't want to talk about. I can imagine that this was a moment in time where he would just as soon have erased thinking, I'm so embarrassed having done this. 
You don't have to raise your hand. You don't even have to say amen. But how many of us can testify to the fact uh, that there are parts of our life uh, that wish we could erase, uh, that we wish we could wipe out? Uh, I'm so glad that that is exactly what God does. Uh, when he forgives, he forgets. I know the church doesn't. Uh, I know Baptists don't. Uh, I know the family doesn't. Uh, but thank God our God forgives and then he forgets. Notice what happened. The place of this failure. If I may be blunt, Peter was at the wrong place at the right time. In the beginning of this chapter, Peter made a boast that he would never deny the Lord. Peter stood up boldly to Christ and said that he would always be with him, that he'd never walk away from him. But at the moment when Christ needed him the most, Peter decided to, to walk away. You know this already. In verse 58, Peter decides to follow the Lord, quote, afar off to see what would happen. And then when he found himself surrounded by the Lord's enemies, he immediately begins denying the very God that just a few moments previously he promised he would never walk away from. It all happened because Peter was following afar off. May I just pause a moment and say, there is always danger when distance begins to develop between us and God. There is always danger when distance begins to develop between us and God. Every married person in the building, you know that in order for that relationship to thrive, you need to have communication. And if you don't communicate, if you're not on the same playing field, if things are not gelling, that a distance begins to develop. And the further we get from God, the more that relationship deteriorates, the greater the danger of failure becomes the place of it notice not only the place of it but notice the pain of it look at verse 75 a very telling statement the last clause the last verse says he went out and what wept bitterly I believe the moment that dawn arose and he heard the crowing of the rooster he brought back to mind the words of Christ that said, Before the cock crows, thou deny me, you'll deny me three times. And when that realization flooded over him, he begins to weep, realizing that in Christ's moment of need, in the hour when, when Christ needed him the most, he had abandoned the very God he said he'd never walk away from. I have said on many occasions and will say again this morning, there is no more miserable person than a Christian uh, who's walked away from God. Yeah, there are those who say, wait a minute, preacher, what about the lost man? You hear me, the lost man is dead. He doesn't know what he's missing. The lost man has not been quickened. He's not been pulled to God yet. But those of us that know the Lord, those of us that are born again, and we've experienced that closeness, we know what it's like to pray through. We know what it's like to talk to God and God speak into our hearts. And then we start walking away from that. That is a miserable, painful experience. I've also learned in 20 years of ministry 
that a, a backslidden believer, uh, someone who's walked away from God, is Satan's playground. He will walk all over somebody, uh, and before you know it, uh, that person is saying things he thought he'd never say. Uh, she's doing things she swore she'd never do. Uh, she's going places. Uh, he's acting in ways uh, that he thought he'd never act. Uh, I believe sometimes, oftentimes, uh, that that Christian uh, who is away from God uh, conducts himself and herself in ways that a believer uh, or a lost person never would. The pain of it. The place of it. Notice, if you would, the price of it. I'm reading between the lines. For I believe at this moment as Peter weeps openly, he realizes that he's lost that fellowship. And at this moment, things were different. Have you ever just knelt to prayer been in your car or been in your office or been at your house or even been at the altar, wherever, and you can just absolutely feel the Lord scooch right up beside of you. Where you just know you're talking and He's there, and I don't mean in a physical way, but you can almost feel the presence of the Holy One right beside you. But have you ever felt the opposite? where you feel like you're praying in a vacuum, where you're away from God, you know that fellowship is broken, and you begin to realize that things are just not right. Maybe this morning some of us are in that position, whether you're here in the church, whether you're watching via live stream, may I say to you that at this moment, Peter is at the bottom. He is as low as he can get, and Satan is about to go tiptoeing through his spiritual tulips, because at this moment, Peter is have fallen as far as he can fall. You hear me. He hasn't lost his salvation, but he's lost his fellowship. He's lost that connection, if you will, to the one he loves the most. Peter's failure. Number one, not only Peter's failure. Turn with me now to John chapter 21, because I want us to look at Peter's foolishness. John chapter 21, look with me at Peter's foolishness. Can I just pause a moment and say we should not be surprised when out-of-fellowship believers do dumb stuff. You know what I have figured out in 2020 and in 20 years of pastoring? God is good and people are crazy. Amen. That's deep theological stuff, isn't it? God is good. I know, it sounds like a, some of y'all heathens. You already, you automatically singing a country song. Amen. God is good and people are crazy. Look at John chapter number 21. And I'll just point out and go on record and saying, Brother Ken's the one who said that's a song. I would have never had any idea had he not said it. John chapter 21, verse 3. Notice the Bible says, Simon Peter. Let's go back to verse number 1, actually. After these things, Jesus showed himself again. Verse 2, they were together. Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, and Nathaniel of Cana, and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, two other of his disciples that are unnamed, a whole slew of them. Simon Peter, verse 3, said unto them, I 
go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. This is following the crucifixion and, in fact, now following the resurrection. Jesus has not yet appeared to these men, and so in their minds, the ministry is over. In their minds, that with which they had taught for the last three years, that about whom they had preached for the last three years, everything that they had done, everything that they believed, everything that they thought was important uh, is now over. Uh, Peter has broken that place of fellowship between him and Christ, uh, and now Peter makes a very stupid decision. I'm going to say again, uh, hope you won't throw your Bibles at me, hope you won't be too terribly offended, uh, but we should not be surprised uh, when people who are out of fellowship with God uh, do dumb things. And may I pause a moment and remind all of us, uh, if you're wise uh, and you need a little bit of spiritual help, uh, you would be wise not to go ask it of someone uh, who is out of fellowship with God. Because I can almost promise you uh, the person who's out of fellowship uh, is not going to give you the advice that you need. Uh, they might give you the advice you want, uh, but many times what you want ain't what you need. This moment, Peter does something stupid. Now don't misunderstand me. There's nothing sin, shameful, or sorrowful about Peter going fishing. But in fact, what Peter has done at this moment is to make the decision to go back to the old life that God saved him out of, uh, that Christ rescued him. Remember, Christ told him he'd be a fisher of men, but now Christ is buried. Christ is dead in Peter's mind. Uh, he's denied Christ. Uh, so in Peter's mind, uh, he has nothing else to do uh, but to go back to that life uh, that he always knew. I've seen it happen a thousand times. Somebody gets right with God. Somebody gets saved. Somebody walks that altar paved with grace. They commit a life to God. They start living for God. But then the challenge is, you understand the more you live for God, the bigger the bullseye gets. And you start trying to do something for God. Then the problems come. The storms arise. The challenges mount. And before you know it, what was a fervency for God becomes a forgetfulness about God. What was a passion for God becomes a I'm not in interested anymore, and suddenly we start making dumb decisions, crazy decisions. Not only do I want you to see his choices, I want you to notice his companions. Because Peter didn't do this in isolation. When Peter, who by the way was recognized even amongst the twelve as a leader, you understand that though there were 12 disciples, uh, 11 at this point, Judas is dead, uh, there was still an inner circle uh, that served as that leadership team for Christ, Peter, James, and John. And so now when Peter, uh, one of the inner circle, uh, one of the leaders says, uh, I'm going fishing, uh, all of a sudden uh, five or six others stepped up and said, well, we'll go with you. Again, there's no sin or shame or sorrow in them going fishing, but they are now abandoning the life. They are now walking away from that which God called them to and now embracing that from which God called them from. Here's what I want you to get. Sin loves company. Sin loves company. 
One of the most powerful things you will ever learn and that I will ever learn is that not a one of us sins in isolation. I hear people all the time saying, Preacher, I'm only hurting myself. Preacher, this doesn't bother anybody but me. You hear me. That's a lie straight out of hell. You never sin in isolation. You always bring somebody down with you. And may I say to you this morning that just like misery loves company, sin embraces company as well. His choices, his companions. But then note with me, please. The consequences. I think this is a fascinating statement. Because in verse number 3, the Bible says they went forth, entered to a ship immediately, and that night they caught what? Nothing. They caught nothing. Peter, James and John, Thomas, Nathaniel, the others, professional fishermen, men who had spent a livelihood, made their livelihood out of fishing, worked all night long, and after casting and going to every little nook and corner, going everywhere they knew fish would bite, doing everything they knew they could do, they caught absolutely nothing. I'm reading between the lines, pure Gregology here, but I believe it's because they were trying to do this in another own might. I believe they were trying diligently uh, to, to, to do this in and of themselves. Uh, they're depending upon their flesh. Uh, they're depending upon their own ability. Uh, and now uh, they're realizing uh, that if we try to accomplish this in and of ourselves, uh, we might as well give up uh, the effort. Consequences. Number one this morning, Peter's failure. Number two, Peter's foolishness. And by the way, I'll say again, those two always follow. But then number three this morning, and I hope you'll amen me, Peter still had a friend. Even though he didn't realize it, Peter still had a friend. Even, <laughs> even though Peter had walked away from the friend, the friend had never walked away from Peter. Hell, man, I've told this story many times. But it always blesses my heart when, we were a, when I was a child, four or five years old. We had gone uh, for a little vacation up to Natural Bridge. And there was at that time a little tunnel, a little hole in a rock, if you would, uh, down below our hotel uh, that you could walk under as if you were going under the highway. Uh, this is back in the day, 30, oh gosh, I'm 50, so 45 years ago, uh, when uh, you had a little bit of trust for those around you. Mother and Daddy were sitting out on the balcony, uh, and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world uh, to be able to walk under the highway. So I said, Daddy, can I go down and walk through the tunnel? Mother and Daddy are sitting there. They can see me. They said, sure, be careful. I never one time turned back and looked at my mama and daddy. But my mama and daddy never stopped looking at me. Unbeknownst to me, there was somebody else sitting out on the balcony watching as well. A sex predator. We didn't know about it. Of course, Mother and Daddy didn't know about it. But as I made my way down the steps, he made his way down the steps. And as I started walking towards the little tunnel, uh, he started walking towards the little tunnel. Uh, and as I was walking back and forth, he got closer. Uh, and then all of a sudden, uh, my daddy stood up on the balcony and said, Greg, run! So what did you do? I ran. 
And all of a sudden, the man starts chasing, and I might hightail it back up to mom and daddy. I get into my daddy's arms before that, that, that creep got his arms around me. What are you saying? I had no fault for my mom and daddy, but my mom and daddy were still looking after me. Aren't you glad this morning that when you... When you walk away from him, when you take your eyes off, he never takes his eyes off you. Notice, if you would, Peter's friend found him. Verse number four. Same chapter. Verse number four. Bible says, when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto them, Children, have you any meat? They answered, No. By the way, what, G- what Jesus is actually saying, Y'all got anything to eat? That's how I know he's Baptist. Amen. It's breakfast time. Christ is in effect saying, You got any food? Uh, you got anything to eat? Of course, they don't know it's Christ. They don't understand, they don't recognize, uh, and they say, no, not a thing. Verse number 6, he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship, ye shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, which by the way we know is John the author, said unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat upon him, for he was naked and cast himself into the sea. I say to you this morning that when Peter and James and John and Thomas and Nathaniel and the other disciples uh, had done everything they knew to do, uh, how they had exercised all of their human will, uh, when they could do no more, uh, Christ found them. Is is there anybody in the building who, like me, can say, uh, you want to give testimony to your salvation, uh, but you also want to say, thank God for the day uh, when you walked as far away from Him as you could get, uh, when you made such a mess of things of your own life. uh, Thank God uh, that He still came to you uh, in the depths of your sin, uh, in the depths of the alcohol, uh, in the depths of the drugs. uh, No matter how far you walked away, uh, no matter how deep in sin you got, uh, His grace reached deeper. For where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. Christ found him. Finally this morning, not only did Christ find him, Christ fed him. Look at verse number 9. Let's go to verse 8. The other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, as it were 200 cubits dragging the net with fishes. As soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals thereon, fish laid thereon, bread. Jesus saith unto them, Bring the fish which you've now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes. A hundred and fifty and three. And for all that were so many, yet was not the net broken. Jesus saith unto them, 
come and dine. None of the disciples durst ask, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? After having fished all night long, bellies growling for hunger, patience frayed because of failure from having fished and caught nothing, having walked as absolutely far away from God as they could possibly get, what they, dis- what they discover, uh, what Peter realizes, uh, is that for which he'd been searching all night long, Christ already had. You've got to just stop a minute and think about that. Peter thought, uh, i got to get food. Christ had food. Peter thought, uh, i got to make a living. Christ had it already figured out. Uh, Peter thought, uh, I need family. Christ was the family. Uh, Peter thought, uh, I need fellowship. Christ offered fellowship. Uh, Everything that Peter needed, Christ had already provided. He tells the disciples, throw your net on the other side. I can imagine them saying, but wait a minute. We've done that. Christ said, do it again. Do it again. And so they cast their net over on the other side. And as they begin to tug, there wasn't one fish, not two fish, but 150 plus fishes normally that would break the neck. And they just keep hauling it in and hauling it in. Then they make their way to the shore. They see Christ is there. He's got fire. He's got fish. He's got bread. He's got scrambled eggs, bacon, red-eye gravy, biscuits, buttermilk, sausage gravy, coffee, and sweet tea. Made with real milk, not the tea, the biscuits. Amen. Everything they needed, Christ already had. Everything they'd been searching for, Christ had for them. Can I just say to you this morning, it was a wonderful day in my life when I realized that that with which my soul had been searching, God had already provided I'll close this morning with a second story to follow up where I started. We fast forward now to fall break of my sophomore year. Remember, fall break of my freshman year is when my mom had read my essay on how I know there is no God. We fast forward now to fall break of sophomore year 12 months later. Renee's daddy is now the pastor of our church. The woman who would be my sister-in-law, later become my sister-in-law, comes up to me at a, uh, a fellowship meal and says, Greg, you ought to ask Renee out on a date. I looked at her and I said, Renee who? She said, Renee Hicks. Most of you know there's a bit of an age difference between me and Renee. Uh, I've known Renee all of my life. uh, And I looked at her and I said, you have got to be kidding me. She said, I think she'd go. So I went up to her and I said, hey, you want to go get something to eat? She said, hmm. I think there was a little bit of the Holy Ghost inside of her that said, there's something wrong with that boy. 
She said, we'll go to Shoney's because that's where they serve hot fudge cake. Amen. So we go to Shoney's two nights later. For some reason, I don't know why, we started talking, and I, I started talking about uh, my journey, and I started whining just a little bit, and I started complaining just a little bit about how miserable I was and how bad things were in my life and talking about some of the dumb choices I had made. And instead of being sympathetic, uh, she looked at me and said, Would you just shut up? Boy, that's a way to win a man's heart, isn't it? She looked at me and she said, Are you saved? Nobody had asked me that in 15 years. She looked me dead in the face with all the sympathy that you all have come to appreciate over the last 20 years. She looked at me and she said, are you saved? I said, well, yes. She said, then live like it. And she was very blunt with me. You know, she don't sugarcoat an awful lot. She said, you will continue to be miserable until you get right with God. Choice is yours. That night, the Holy Spirit, don't think I embraced her and said, what a wonderful girl she is. I come home that night. I know some of you know this. I come home that night, and my mama, who was so excited over the fact I'm dating the preacher's daughter, uh, looked at me and said, how'd it go? I said, Mama, I know you like her, uh, but I feel sorry uh, for ever who falls in love uh, with that self-centered, uh, egomaniac, uh, mean, hateful woman. I, I can't stand her. Am I, am I right? I promise you. But that night, the Spirit of God began to prick my heart a little bit. And I remembered what it was like to be in fellowship with God. And I remembered what it was like to know the presence of the Lord. So that night, I got on my knees at 3 o'clock in the morning. And I pulled the Bible down off the shelf that I hadn't read in two years. And I remember distinctly uh, with tears coming down my face saying, Lord, if you'll still have me, I'd like to come home. That's all I knew to say. Next morning, I remember talking a little bit to Mama and Daddy and telling them uh, that God had done something in my life. Here's what I want you to understand, folks. Hear me and hear me well. Uh, that for which we are seeking, uh, that for which our soul is longing, uh, that for which we are out searching, uh, He already has. And then I went and fell in love with that egotistical, mean, hateful, snotty-nosed woman that I promised I'd never talk to again. And you know what I learned? I learned that failure is never final with our Heavenly Father. Stand to your feet with me this morning. Evan, I want you to come see that last song again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody's looking. If you're here today, and you say, Pastor Greg... Understand exactly what you're saying, and I want to give thanks to God that He found me where I was and brought me home. Would you lift your hand? I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. Every head bowed, eyes closed, you can put your head, hands down. Is there anybody here this morning that would be honest and say, Preacher, I need to be a little bit closer? I'm not as close as I once was. 
But with the help of God, 2021 is going to be the year that I draw even closer to him. Would you lift your hand this morning? Boy, I'm seeing a lot of hands go up. I'm going to open up the altar. You can come. Social distance, you know what you need to do. But if you want to come to this altar, go ahead and start the song, brother. Evan's going to sing for us this morning. I want you to make your way up here. If you want to come to this altar and draw closer, you can do it where you are. But you talk to a heavenly father that's got everything that you need. If there ever was a time I needed you before, Lord, I need you now. If there ever was a trial I couldn't handle on my own, that's how this feels somehow. If there ever was a child that was crying out for help, that's what this song's about. If there ever was a time I needed you before, Lord, I need you now. If I've ever had a friend who's always kept his word, Lord, I know it's There's never been a time that you've left me all alone or been untrue. Cause if I know anything, it's that you will meet my needs just like you always do. So I'm leaning on your love and counting on your grace just to see me through. I need you to remind me how faithful you have been. And when I'm at my weakest, where your strength began if there ever was a time I needed you before Lord I need you now if there ever was a trial I couldn't handle on my own that's how this feels somehow and if there ever was a child that was crying out for help that's what this song's about if there ever was a time I needed you before Lord I need you a friend Lord I know it's you
How many of you can say you're glad you got that friend? Amen. Father, thank you for your presence this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the simple reminder that failure is not final with our Heavenly Father. Lord, I think most of us in the room this morning and those watching online can celebrate the fact that though we walk away from you, you have never walked away from us. And Lord, you still send the Spirit of God to bring us back into the fold and remind us of the simple reality that everything we're out searching for, you've already got at hand. Help us to walk back to you knowing that you give us what we most are in need. Bless now our church, our community. Bring us back Wednesday night. Thank you again for your presence today. In the sweet name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody said, amen. Thank you for being here this morning. God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Thank you for tuning in via live stream today.